One day when the crowd was being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit in the body of the descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. Shout, dearly loved son. And you bring me great power. Say, you bring me great joy. Alright, and then chapter 4, verse 1. Reads like this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returns from the Jordan River. He was led, shout led, by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very humble. Shout amen. Amen. Please be seated, Lord. We're here. So if you are joining us for the first time, this is the fourth week of a six-week series that we have entitled What's That Opportunity in Transition? Here's the point that we're making uh, in the course of this series. That is, the life is full of transitions. And learning how to navigate transitions is critical, uh, both to how we grow as individuals and to our faith. Now, the variety of transitions gives us a couple of examples if you just join us for the first time. For example, there are those transitions that take place in our relationships. So, the person who is single and moves from single to being married, that's a significant transition. The person who moves from being married to a divorce, that's a significant transition. Or from being married to becoming a widow, that's a significant transition. Or there's transitions in our careers. The person who's had a job, a same job for the last 10 years, and then that job goes away, and she or he is suddenly unemployed. That's a significant transition. Or you get a promotion, and you get a new dad, new office, new authority, a bigger, bigger, bigger salary, some staff. That, too, is a transition. Everybody shout transition. Transition. How do we manage uh, really uh, determines to some degree how deep we grow as individuals uh, and how our faith continues to grow. Now, if you've been with us uh, for the last several weeks, you know that I've said that the anatomy transition is this, that every transition has the same, has the same three parts. They may show up differently, but essentially they're the same. Every transition has an ending. That means we have to learn how to say goodbye. That things Every transition has a middle passage. And today I'm going to define that as the space in between. Come on, everybody shout. The space, space. In, between. in between. Come back to that in a minute. And every transition, if you allow God to work in your life, even in a redemptive way, in every ending, there's a potential for a new beginning. And so the next couple of weeks, uh, we will work with how to allow God to raise up that new beginning uh, in our lives. But today, I want to focus on uh, the significance of going into that space in between. Now, our passage we read is about Jesus. What is not necessarily obvious uh, upon first reading is that Jesus is going through one of the most major, one of the most major transitions of his life. And to illustrate it, in Luke chapter 1, you get the announcement that Jesus is to be born. 
And Luke chapter 2, we find Jesus dying in manger, having been born, the angels are singing. Read a few more verses. Eight days old, he's taken to be dedicated to the temple. Read a few more verses. He shows up again at age 12 in the temple, holding course with the rabbis and Jewish doctors and so forth and so forth. Then, we don't hear about Jesus anymore until Luke chapter 3, verse 21. And at verse 21, which we just read, where everybody's being baptized, and Jesus comes out to be baptized, he is now 30 years old. So, the transition is, is, is that he's making is that for the majority of the first 30 years of his life, uh, he's, he's, it's a private life. He is now transitioning from this baptism into a huge public ministry. He's going from being a private citizen where most people don't know who he is to becoming a, a, a noted public figure who's going to lead tens of thousands of people, work all kinds of miracles, raise people from the dead, uh, and ultimately end up on a cross. He's going to move from being uh, the person who's hidden in history to becoming the one person who actually changes the trajectory of history. That upon his death and resurrection, we even had to change our calendar to start talking about B.C. and A.D., all related to the life of Jesus. So, transition. So as we look at this passage, we're learning something about how we navigate transitions in our lives. And the first thing that comes to mind that I think that, that, that pops out of this text is this notion of identity. Everybody shout identity. identity. Now here it is, where we see it, in verse 21. So we're back up on the screen. So it says everybody's being baptized and responding to John the Baptist's message which is saying, come and repent of your sins and be baptized, which is illustrative of, of bearing the, the old life of sin where you were in charge and being raised up into a new life where in fact God is in charge, you belong to him. So you identify with God. Jesus, who knew no sin, but modeling for us, comes in his baptism. And then in a time of prayer, the text says that the Holy Spirit lights on him like a, like a dove, and that the heavens open up, and a voice, this is the voice of God the Father, speaks. And listen to what that voice says. It says, you are my dearly loved son. Everybody shout amen. That's who Jesus is. He is the dearly loved son of God. And then notice what it says. And you bring me what? Here's what blows my mind. The Father says this about Jesus. You're dearly loved. You bring me great joy. Before, and I shout before, before, before Jesus does anything. Before he does anything. It's not based on what Jesus does. At the end of the day, it's based on who Jesus is. And what the good news of this, this, this teaching, what he's saying is, he said, you're my dear enough son. Dear enough, which means I can't love you anymore before you've done anything. And, and, and you bring me great joy. Just looking at you brings me great joy before you do anything. 
the insight of this text is that if you and I will find our identity in a God who wants to declare that you are my child who I dearly love. And if we can bear here God to believe that God is saying, and if you are find great joy, you can meditate to transition if you got if your identity. Put it this way. The little boy had to go to the bathroom. He couldn't get the bathroom. And so 
somebody to lend me. My father went to his mom. Mom, 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 mom. I need to get it back. I, I got the hurry ups. Everybody said, hurry ups. Now, one of the problems is that we can't see the work this space in between. It's because we got to hurry up. <coughs> uh, you know, you know, everybody's got space in between. Space. The space in between your old love affair and the new love affair. Space in between. It's the space in between the job that you just got out of and the new job that you're about to get in. It's the space in between. As you're aging, going from one season of life to the next season of life, it's about the space in between. And what this text says is that we've got to work the space in between, but most of us avoid it because we have the perimps. Let me hurry up and get into another relationship. Let me hurry up and get into another job. Let me hurry up, let me hurry up, let me hurry up, let me hurry up. Now watch this text. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returns from the Jordan River. Now, everybody shout, full of the Holy Spirit. The assumption is that whenever you see him talk about full of the Holy Spirit, what he's really saying is kind of like the use of technology from the day, is that, that uh, the balance are fully charged. That Jesus is fully charged. He's fully empowered by God. He has the full authority. And now you would think it's time for him Hurry up! Well, when you read this term, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He returns from the Jordan River. You expect the next sentence to say, and so he goes to Galilee. He starts to teach. He starts to heal. He starts to raise the dead. He starts to feed the hungry. You know, he's full of the power. You expect him to rush into work, but not so. What does the next sentence say? He was led, Mark 1 and 12, as he translates this word led, to companion. He was compelled by the Spirit in the what? In the space in between. Everybody shout wilderness. For wilderness throughout the biblical text has always been about the space in between. When Moses gets ready to transition from being uh, the son of Pharaoh, uh, and Pharaoh thought that he was God until he had an encounter with the river. Uh, and when Moses went to make that transition, he doesn't just go from one to being the son of God who God uses to deliver. He doesn't just go from Pharaoh to delivering the people. Oh no. He does 40 days, 40 years in what? The space in between. 40 years for him to work it out, figure out who he is, what he's about. The children of Israel, as they shift from Slavery to what I want to call the sonship of God. Understanding that they are called by God, for God, as His precious possessions. As they exit Egypt, they go through what is supposed to be 40 days. But those 40 days become 40 years in the what? Space. At this point, if you avoid this, Rush through it. Your 40 days can become 40 years. Some of you are still stuck in the same cycle over 
and over and over again. Bad employee. Because you haven't done the work in the space in between. You're stuck in the same space, all the same arguments, the same stuff, over and over, because you haven't done the work in the space in between. You have a hurry up. This makes sense. God wants to drive us into the space that's in between. So, when we avoid it, that's the first thing we can do, avoid it, we end up transitioning without changing. Or changing without transitioning. Let me give you an example. You know, you're the person who came in here, you broke up with your significant other four days ago. And you came in here praying, God, please help me. And while I was teaching, somehow you looked across the sanctuary and you saw. Oh, you got excited because that's her, that's him. And on your way out, you make the connection. And four days later, you're dating. And one week later, you discover you got the same problem <laughs> with this one that you had with the other one. You know the other one you say, if I can just get away, if I can just get out, if I can just find somebody who would love me. You know what happened? You didn't do the work in the space in between. You know? it's, the, it's, 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 it's received by you. Know, you lost three jobs in one year. And you keep saying it's the boss's fault. But what's the one commonality in all three jobs? <laughs> so, so here's the issue. Look, the problem is you cannot outrun you. It exposes you to the broken 
use that to grow you, not to kill you.
This green, my pastor, helped me to understand these three temptations. Because this temptation, the next two, is going to talk about, the next two is going to talk about Satan taking Jesus, uh, showing him all the kingdoms. The next one is going to talk about him going up to the top of the temple and seeing the, uh, the whole world. And it was Bishop who told me, he said, look, I don't think that there was a geographical time. He said, I think what was going on there is that the enemy was dealing with Jesus the way he deals with us in his mind. <laughs> and, 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 and oftentimes, the enemy, oh, oh, let me put it like this. The other night I was at that space preparing, and I walked by this thing, and then it had this big old thing, and it had these donut holes. <laughs> and the donut holes had been dipped in brown sugar. And they had something white sparkling. And then it would just set up that right. I would ignore the brown sugar, but it was the sparkling white that caught my attention. And so I, 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 I tried to pass by it. Because I just passed by it. I saw it.
says, whatever I think is in, in the mind, in the work of the mind, because Jesus says, look, the text says, he takes Jesus up, he reveals to him all of the kingdoms, and he sees uh, the glory of all the kingdoms, and he says, uh, look, you have the glory of all the kingdoms, you have authority over his mind to give you, I'm just going to give it to you. I just have one little thing that you need to do. Yes, worship. Right? Everybody shout worship. Jesus responds. You know, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, essentially, he comes back with Deuteronomy text, with scripture. You, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God. Watch this. And serve what? Only him. Now, here's the insight in this text. Watch worship, serve, worship, serve, worship, serve. Watch this. Whatever you worship, you end up serving.
and high quarter temple and says, if you're the son of God, see that? Talk to me again. Don't you know you're the son of God? My husband said, no, no, I'm going to keep messing with you. If you're the son of God, jump. Next sentence, next sentence, watch it, next. For the scripture says, stop. Notice Satan is quoting scripture. <laughs> Come on now. You know what I'm saying? But watch this. Just because you know the scriptures does not mean you know the God of the scriptures. And the enemy quotes the word. He always quotes it out of context. Come on now. This is Psalms 91. Uh, and he's misapplied it. But Jesus comes back with another passage. Come on now. Uh, 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 and he says, Jesus said, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Alright? So many not tell you to kill yourself to prove, come on now, that God loves you. You need to come back with this. But the scripture also says, you shall not test the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Alright, here's what this boils down to. Here's what this boils down to. It's what he's saying. Watch this. He's saying to Jesus. I repeat the question that you have to wrestle with when you're in that space in between. What is it that you're trying to prove? What's the proving? Some of us are trying to prove, since kids, we've been trying to prove the same thing. Some of us have uh, been trying to prove because our mama was trying to encourage us to go the right way. And she said, you, you just don't go up and be just like your old no good dad. And we've been trying to prove her wrong. Some of us, if you were me, and I grew up, I had a lot of folks tell me, you'll never amount to anything. And for a number of years, I was trying to prove them wrong. Well, why are you trying to prove
to love him better than eat myself. And then she said, then she said, they tell me, she said, she said, and change my gown. Get down this, this, this dirty gown. Put it on, she put on a beautiful gown. And it did her hair. And she had a finger there if everything was right. And, and, and within the next 24 hours, she was done. And she had gone to be with the Lord. And in that moment, she taught her son not only how to live. She taught me how to die. Yeah. You can do that if you know Jesus. Yeah. You can do that if you say, you can do that if you say, you can do that if you say, take all the hands. Jesus. Amen. Come on, give God a hand, friends.